You're listening to South Bend Beat, produced by Alpha Dog Podcast. This week on South Bend Beat, we have Christina McGovern. Christina is the Director of Development and Marketing at the Youth Service Bureau, otherwise known as the YSB. Uh, We talked about a whole lot of things, uh, what they're doing to help at-risk and homeless youth in the area. We talked about the the over-the-edge event that just wrapped up in downtown South Bend. Uh, October is National Homeless Youth Awareness Month. So we talked about some of the things they're doing in November and some stats for our area that are kind of eye-opening. And, of course, we wrapped up with a round of Answer the Internet. And as a reminder, Martin Supermarkets is the seasoned sponsor for Season 4 South Bend Beat. Uh, actually had a pretty nice back and forth with Christina as Martin's is a big partner, a major partner for Youth Youth Service Bureau, Youth Homelessness. They have roofs every year. Uh, They do a lot of great things in the community. So you can go get your groceries. You can feel good about it. Uh, Go home, have a nice meal, listen to some South Bend Beat, and you're kind of just winning at life all the way around. So again, this week we have Christina McGovern with YSB. Enjoy. Christina, how are you today? I am fabulous. How are you? I'm doing I'm doing pretty well. Excited to have you on. Um, we've been working on some stuff together for a while. We have. And, uh, looking for a good reason to have you on to where we can maximize your presence the most. Um, with November being Homeless Youth Awareness Month, we'll get into that. Yeah. Uh, it seemed like a good time. Perfect timing. Let's start with your background, though. Yeah. Uh, let, I mean, let's go <laughs> way, way back. Where oh, were you dear. Born? <laughs> um, I'm actually a native of South Bend, so Perfect. I was I grew up on the South Side. Okay. Uh, Riley High School graduate, and then I went to um, St. Mary of the Woods College in Terre Haute. In Terre Haute. So what made you decide to go to college out there? <laughs> um, you know what? I drove on campus, and it just felt like home, mm-hmm. and it was where I was supposed to be. So um, that's really the best answer I can give. So There's how- a long story, but I can't. that's the short oh, version. Okay. Well, how long did it take <laughs> you post-college to get back to South Bend then? Um, I was back and forth quite a bit. So after my last semester of college, I actually did an intern at the internship at the Indiana State House, which was really cool in the media relations office um, at the State House, which was awesome. So I lived in Indy in an apartment with a roommate and, you know, senior year of college. So I was an on campus my last semester, Uh, graduated, and then I Came back home and worked at the Potawatomi Zoo for a while, um, which was kind of my summer gig on and off between, between I feel like things. that could be a whole separate podcast. The, and that the could be a whole separate podcast. How, you said it was an internship? At the zoo? Yeah. Or did no, you I was a summer job. So, so, some, like, so do they throw you right in like with the big cats? Oh, no. It was oh, not that man. kind of job at the zoo. <laughs> You didn't we have ran, to feed the animals or anything? No, and this was back in the day where there was not, not that much there. We ran the concession stand, mm-hmm. which was like this little tiny hut back in, in the day, and we served ice cream. And then when it rained, 
everything you know nobody came by so but you know cases stopped raining they didn't want to send everybody home oh, so yeah. we would like play euchre and it was really rough did you get like <laughs> behind the scenes stuff um, no not really i mean we got to know, know some of the zookeepers and um one of my other jobs there was they had the the pony rides for the kids yeah. and so i would have to like walk the pony around in the circle for like and it was like 95 degrees out and you're walking around and around <laughs> it that was not a super fun job all right so moving on beyond the zoo <laughs> uh what went down from there beyond the zoo um so then after graduation actually um so i have a degree in political science and journalism and so my goal was I was going to be, you know, a press secretary for Bill Clinton or mm -hmm. something. Um, and so this because this tells you about when it was. So I graduated from college in 92. Um, so this was pre like 97, 98 Bill Clinton. Yeah, okay. exactly. Okay. This is, and actually, I met him before he was president. Um, so I was I got hired as a um, basically development director for. Mm -hmm. Jill Long Thompson, who at the time was not Thompson. So this is a campaign in Fort Wayne when she was running for Congress. Um, and she didn't have much of a pon an opponent because I hired a kid from out of, just out of college to run her fundraising. Oh, yeah. So it kind of tells <laughs> yeah. you it wasn't a super, um, super tough race. But I actually, uh, Jill was invited when Bill Clinton was speaking at Notre Dame. Uh, he flew into the airport at South Bend. And so I picked jill up in my 1978 plymouth Valari that was mustard yellow it was a very very lovely car <laughs> um and drove her, the congresswoman to south bend uh to this meet and greet at the airport with bill clinton and evan by was governor at the time and susan by who was lovely um actually introduced me to bill and hillary clinton so that was pretty cool yeah. right but then they did this motorcade from the south bend airport out to notre dame and I got in the car and Jill got in a car with all the VIPs and folks and the, the press corps, this guy from the press corps jumps out of the van and says, hey, you have to go at the end of the motorcade. This car is just way too ugly. <laughs> like, wow. Wow. That's rough. So I was the second to the last car at the end of the motorcade in this pre-presidential procession. So what took you from... <laughs> I'm going to be press secretary, press secretary for the right. president of the United States um, <laughs> to, I mean, bridge that from there all the way to the work that you're doing now. Well, yeah. Like what happened in between? So in between, I think, um, you know, after I graduated really, uh, you know, during that election in 92, everybody w wanted to go to Washington, D.C. And mm -hmm. it was it's just so expensive. I mean, I really didn't want it want to live with like five other people and have to wait tables part-time and do all this these other things and so it just worked out where I ended up staying I stayed in town and then I did um I worked for some political consultants in Indianapolis for a little bit and then came back came back to South Bend I worked do, at the Muscular Dystrophy Association for quite a while uh and the offices were in Mishawaka and then then I went from there to retail. So I helped open the Barnes & Noble store um, when it was on Grape Road. Mm -hmm. So when it originally opened in, I think, 96. Like where Charter Fitness is now? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So we um, you know, went from like literally putting the bookshelves together and putting books on the shelves and unloading trucks. And it was a great job. And I did that for about four years. Left there. I worked for a magazine for a year and I got to fly to Texas and do a story about a smart home in Texas and I got to go to the consumer electronic show what year are we in talking? Vegas so this would have been 
probably 98. So what's a smart home in 98 look like? Um, a lot of these little controllers that almost look like um, like ADT motion detectors, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, that people would have mounted on their yeah. wall and they'd use just like this little remote control and they'd have these big like Crestron uh, remote controls that, that they would use. But this guy like completely wired his house when I went to do the story on this house in Texas, the whole thing. So it was like pre Alexa, right? So yeah. instead of giving voice commands, you just hit a couple buttons back then. That's yeah, crazy. It was and then you went cool. to Vegas. Did you yeah, gamble on any sports? Seat, no, I did oh. not. But <laughs> that was the coolest thing because I mean, this who I mean that show is amazing, and, and it it's just incredible that all the different things that you can see. And I'm sure I'll never get to go do that again. Um, so that was pretty cool. But I, I had to stay at Circus Circus, and I hate clowns, so that was kind of an <laughs> issue. <laughs> Well, I was going to have a clown roll in here in a few minutes. So oh, I'll cancel man. the clown. Cancel the clown. <laughs> it's just not right. So keep us going all the okay, way up into so, uh, YSB. Anyway, so then I worked at Barnes & Noble for a while, and then I left. Oh, worked then Barnes & Noble, the magazine, uh, got unceremoniously let go from the magazine after a year, and then I started working for a South Bend Chocolate Company, and I was there for six years. And now I have a very special place in heaven because I survived Mark Turner, And I'll tell him that, so it's okay. (laughs) I tell him that every time I see him. So I did that for six years. And then, um, so Milt Lee, who is now at DTSB. Executive director. Yeah, yeah, Milt and I worked together at the South Bend Chocolate Company because he was the franchise director for a long time. And I met his wife, Kate. And Kate worked for the foundation at St. Joe Med Center. And Kate actually hired me to work at the foundation office. So that's where I really got most of my um, development experience. We had the dream team at that job. And St. Joe Medical Center at the time had just started a capital campaign to build the new hospital. So it was an incredible experience. It was just wonderful. And I worked there for, I don't know, four years. Had my son. Um, went through the, the this was a, what, about 2008-ish. And... You know, the economy was not great at that Mm -hmm. time, and the hospital had gone through a couple um, rounds of layoffs. And fortunately, the last round, it worked out great for me because I had just had my son. I was finished my maternity leave, and then I got laid off. So it was great. I got to stay home with my son for a year, and then, um, then I went to work in development at Ivy Tech in South Bend. And then was there for a couple years, and then I've been at YSB for eight years now which is crazy. So that's a really long story. No, it's good. And <laughs> I, so w- what I think a lot of the listeners want to hear about and what we're going to talk about today is largely around YSB. Um, does a lot of fantastic things in the city and the area. Mm-hmm. Just wrapped up over the edge where he raised what, we over $100,000. $105,000. a lot actually, of money. It, it was a lot of money in the middle of a pandemic. Yeah. Are you kidding me? It was amazing. Amazing. So let's kick this off with... Um, because I, I get some of the material and stuff on YSB, and I'm always blown away by some of the stats that you just don't realize right. being here. What are a couple of the eye-opening stats for yeah. the South Bend area? Well, I think a lot of people don't realize that um, there are over a thousand young people, um, and when I say young people, we're talking ages 12 up to about 24, okay. that experience homelessness every single year in St. Joe County, and you don't see them, mm-hmm. right? So that's the challenge with youth homelessness is it doesn't look like what you may typically think of as adult homelessness um, because kids haven't, you know, they haven't burned other bridges. They can still stay with a friend, with a family They're kind of like bouncing around basically. That, is, that's okay. exactly right. They're, yeah. yeah. 
And so they still have people that they can rely on. And fortunately, their homelessness hasn't been prolonged enough that they've had to kind of cope with that trauma through, you know, substance abuse, that kind of thing. So that's why that's part of the reason that we're here is Mm -hmm. to cut that off. So if they do experience homelessness, it's short and it's only the one time. So that's part of part of what we do. Um, I think another statistic people probably don't realize is uh, the Young Moms program that we have. We serve about 250 young women and over 600 kids every single year through that program. Wow. And that program is voluntary, which is really cool. And so for that first day, again, what was the number on how many? A thousand a every thousand. year. Just in St. Joe County. Wow. Yep. So what we, we mentioned over the edge and you mentioned um, you have so many come through the program. Mm-hmm. What are a few things that you're doing either on a di- daily, monthly, quarterly, annual basis that uh, you really do to combat these issues? Right. So I think one of the biggest things we do, uh, and, and what's interesting is all these programs kind of, they connect together. And that's really one of our, the strongest things that we do is we're a connector. We don't try to solve all the problems of these kids by ourselves. There's other agencies that are doing really great work in, you know, certain areas, right? So we are, we have a street outreach program where our staff is literally in different areas of St. Joe County. They show up to the same neighborhoods on the same day at the same time to really try to connect with young people. And these are generally older kids, um, 18, 17, 20 years old, that are really um, either experiencing homelessness or on the verge of homelessness. And all the programs, all the kids that we've seen have had some sort of trauma, poverty, um, abuse, neglect, all these different kinds of things. So we actually have the only emergency youth shelter here in St. Joe County. And we can, it's in an old house, so we don't have a ton of room, but we can accommodate up to eight kids at a time. And they can stay with us. Generally, they're there about 21 days. So it's just designed to be an emergent you know, situation. What's capacity usually like in that house? Well, it depends. On average, six to eight on average um lately we've gone we can go up to 10 with a waiver and during the height of covid it was pretty quiet now we're full and consistently full and so the emergency aspect of it is if there's space it's a situation where someone can call and say i know of this youth that has nowhere to live and is right. not getting fit or anything and that would be a possible solution if there's if there's space. correct so yeah. a lot of times what will happen and we have Young people who, they literally just show up at the door and we're really? open 24-7. Yeah, yeah, and we have a 24-hour crisis line. So we take about 600 calls every year on this crisis line that the staff answers. But sometimes, so sometimes a youth will show up just at the door. Sometimes the police department will bring them in. Um, sometimes the Department of Child Services will bring them. And that's really just a kind of a stopover point. You can imagine trying to find foster care placement mm-hmm. for a teenager in a non-pandemic time is challenging. And so really we have a lot of young people that are there um, while they're trying to be fla- placed in foster care. So what does it look like for, for the youth that are in the emergency shelter? Mm-hmm. What does their day-to-day look like while they're there as far as like school and eating? And yeah. Such? Well, so if the, if the, so we have a youth that comes and they're, you know, 16 years old and they're, at Riley or Clay or Adams or whatever. When school's in session, we, t- we get them to school 
just as they would normally you do go the to transportation. school. We well the the all the school corporations have a homeless youth liaison and so we work really oh, okay. closely with them. Okay. And so the buses will actually come to the shelter. If they're at say another school or a private school or whatever, um, we can get we have transportation, we can get there there. Now during the pandemic all these kids have been doing e-learning. Yep. So we had to buy more computers. We had to bump up our broadband. We had to, uh, our staff left their offices and we had kids doing their homework. And some of them were at different schools. And so that's been a whole different kind of challenge. But, you know, uh, keeping them in school and making sure that they graduate is a huge priority. Because if, it, if a kid does not get their high school diploma, their chance of experiencing homelessness goes up over 300% than a kid who has a degree That's wild. or diploma. 300%. It's huge. You have to stay in school. And and staying in school is a big problem. And this is why we have, so for example, the drop we have a drop-in center. Um, and that is a place, it's right next to the shelter on Lincoln Way East where kids can go in, they can get something to eat, they can do their laundry, they can check a computer. They can get connected with services. We have some um, medical professionals that come in once a month to do some screenings. But what will happen a lot of times is, you ha- say you have a kid whose family is um, really dysfunctional. Maybe mom's there, maybe mom's not. Their power gets cut off. They don't have laundry facilities at home. Their water gets cut off. So now, all of a sudden, you have a kid who's in high school who can't wash his clothes or take a shower. So what's going to happen? He's not going to school because mm-hmm. he stinks mm-hmm. and he's going to get made fun of, drops out of school. And then that cycle just begins. Right. So it's really, really critical that we um, intervene and try to find a way to keep that kid in school. It's really, really critical. So you mentioned uh, a little bit ago foster parents. I know nationwide there's a big need for foster yeah. parents. Is that the case locally, too? It is the case locally. Um, you know, I don't know a ton um, about that, but I do know, like I said, you know, placing a, a six-month-old who's been pulled out of a house for abuse or neglect is a little easier to place than, you know, you have a, a teenager yep. that you don't know anything about. It's very, very challenging for sure. So let's talk a little bit specifically about fundraising and Mm -hmm. how uh, i mean you guys are pretty unique and you're pretty creative in how you come up with some of your fundraisers and obviously um money is needed to make all of this go to say the least right uh what are a few of the fundraisers you do throughout the year and i mean i want to give you props for being creative in the way that you do raise funds (laughs) what does that process look like on let's do a fundraiser and like do you just sit down from point one and it's like no idea is a bad idea or how do you go about it you know what it just depends i mean since i've been at the agency for eight years and when i started um ysb has been in existence since 1972 but for many of those years, the agency's culture was just that they did the work and just kind of didn't tell their story and, oh, we need this and didn't want to ask and that kind of thing. And I'm like, this, is, this isn't you know how this is done now, right? Yeah. So we went from um, changing everything and really just trying to tell our story. And so we wanted to try to find ways that um, really did honor to the work that, that was that was happening and being true to that. And so over the edge, for example, came up, um, actually our executive director gets props for kind of making me do this, <laughs> like <laughs> literally pushing me to do this because we got an email that over the edge is a company and they do these They're fundraisers global. Right? global. Yeah. They do these all yeah. over the place. And they, we got an email and she's like, Oh, I think we should really take a look at this. I'm like, I don't know. And then we started looking at it a little bit and we just finished our fourth year 
And part of the reason why we chose that is because a lot of our kids are on the edge or over the edge, right? And mm-hmm. so it just really fit in. And it was something that was totally unusual. Um, yeah. It made us stand <laughs> out, which we needed to do. Um, in addition to, to fundraising, it's been a great uh, tool for visibility for us. The, like various news stations are typically down there the entire time you're yeah. doing it and it leads to interviews and such. It is, it's definitely unique. Yeah, yeah it is. And it's, the model is basically having people go over the edge, quite literally go over the edge of the building right. and then they need to raise X amount of Yeah. Amount so of what, what we found in the first year that we did it, we weren't, you know, we weren't really sure how it was going to go. And so we asked, um, we recruit people to be an edger. And so we say, hey, can you raise $1,000 from your friends and family, coworkers, whoever? And once you do that, once you raise that $1,000, you get to go over the side of the building. And so each the first year we had 55 people do that. And we raised about $70,000 the first year, which was 2017. Last year, or the one we just finished a couple weeks ago, we had over 75 edgers and raised $105,000. So it's grown tremendously. And what we have found, the key to this whole thing is really making that personal connection with the people we asked to do the fundraising. Um, people joke around. Our staff laughs at me all the time because I always talk about, I mean, they have the hard work. I mean, they're working with traumatized teenagers with young moms I mean they're doing really really good work but it's really difficult I could not do their job and they're like oh I could never you know ask people for money and I always laugh because it's not like I walk up to strangers Mm -hmm. and say hey would you like to give YSB 10 million dollars which would be great but that's not how it works Um, so we really try to be deliberate in who we're asking to participate and really make sure that everybody who agrees to go over the edge and to to help us raise that money understands why they're doing it and, you know, occasionally, I mean, the only reason why I've been told no is just because of schedules or this or that or the other thing. It's like, oh, you know, then come talk to me next year and I can probably do it. And everyone has followed through. It's been amazing. Is Over the Edge your biggest fundraiser? Yes. Yep. Yes. So um, the, really, we only do um, as far as event mm-hmm. type fundraising. And we've been really trying to move away from that a little bit and focus on that you know, just building those relationships as opposed to just a transactional relationship where someone wants to donate, which is great. And we all, and we need all that money, but it's definitely the longer view of that is to v- develop those relationships so that people will continue to give and give more each year and really get engaged with what we're doing. Um, we usually do a dinner in the spring. Uh, we had to obviously cancel it this last March. I don't think we're going to do it this year. I think we're going to try to do something else. Uh, creative. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure what that's going to look like <laughs> yet. So <laughs> well, stay tuned for that. But just to really, um, and I think a lot of nonprofits will tell you that's one thing they've certainly learned through all of through this pandemic is that um, the benefit of doing a dinner or an event like that is you have an opportunity to tell your story and talk about your clients and see people in the community. But there are so many of us doing a similar type of thing that by the time some of your donors get to your dinner, they're kind of tired of going Mm -hmm. to them, right? Even though they like you and want to support your mission, after four of them. How many can I actually do? Yeah, Yeah, you kind of, I mean, I get it. And I I love people and I obviously like talking. So I I miss that component. We're just going to have to find a different way to kind of do that this year. So we'll see. 
So speaking of November specifically, which is Homeless Youth Awareness Month, yeah. what does November typically look like for you? Do, does anything change? Is it more media? Is it more fundraising? Like what changes in the month of November? So usually I try to really tie in with things that are happening happening nationally. Um, so I'm not, you know, there are nationals, a lot of, it, what's interesting, I should start over. Now there are a lot more statistics and data available about youth homelessness specifically. Mm -hmm. When I first started, that really wasn't available. It just wasn't. Nobody studied it. And so now I've got all these like really good research, a lot that was done by the University of Chicago um, that were able to share those statistics. So normally we'll do a couple minor things. So um, I think that the Lauber this year is going to help us do a fundraiser. We're going to kind of kick off Homeless Youth Awareness Month in November. They'll help us raise a little bit of money, some awareness. We usually will do um, a press release with some local stats and how that connects nationally and why it's important to intervene. Um, a good opportunity to, to talk about that. And then normally, so one of the things we've done differently over this past year is instead of um, doing things virtually, I've sent postcards to people. Snail mail, I like it. it it's been really great because it's not too much. And it's just a, it's a snapshot. Here's what we're doing. Here's why it's important. Thank you. Boom. Done. Yeah, I like it. So, hopefully, so, I'm not sharing all my secrets yeah. with everyone. But <laughs> how does the South Bend area stack up nationally as far as stats goes? Um, you know, it's interesting because uh, you know when compared to like Seattle or Chicago or New York, I mean, our numbers are certainly considerably smaller. But the, the issues are still the same. Mm -hmm. The the problems are still the same. The numbers, um, I guess, it's not even so much the numbers. The The traumatic impact of experienced homeless, homelessness is huge and can be really detrimental. And we're, we see it locally. I mean, right, we've seen this, you know, issue. There's been all this controversy about, the, you know, the tent city and all these things that are happening. But, you know, that's what we're looking at, like, we don't want those the kids to get to that point. If it's really, really critical, if we can intervene with them, be, you know, then we, we won't have this problem. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like a lot of things, but it's it's also not that easy. I mean, sometimes we'll have a young person that'll come to the shelter. Um, they'll show up at three o'clock in the morning. Obviously, haven't eaten, haven't showered, um, have experienced some trauma. They may stay one night and then they'll leave because it's a voluntary shelter. I mean, they can leave. Um, that'll do that like two or three times before they kind of figure out like, okay, I trust these people, you know, because the people they've trusted a lot of times have really, really hurt them. And right. so they're really, it takes a long time and it's not easy. That's why I say our staff is just remarkable. What does a typical day for you look like? Um, you know, it really depends on what, what is happening on the horizon. So once we've, when we finish a big event, um, like, oh, yeah, great. It's awesome. And you're exhausted because you're just emotionally wound up for that. But there's a lot to do after that. We have to make sure that we really thank everyone, um, not only for the, the money that they raised, but for the effort that they put forth and really take that seriously. Like we um, really try to be good partners to all the corporate sponsors that we work with and make sure that that we are highlighting them and highlighting their philanthropy and how important that is. I mean, they're part of the community too. This doesn't work. None of this works if we're all just doing our own thing. I mean, we business, nonprofit, um, government, all those things have to work together in order for us to make this community 
what it should be. Um, nothing exists in a vacuum. And so we just really try to keep that in mind throughout everything. So now once Over the Edge is done, I'm looking at, okay, so Homeless Youth Awareness Month, looking at, all right, so not only am I doing like fundraising, but I mean, we're small. I have three people in my department. So we're doing all the social media, all the marketing, the mailing, like we're doing the thank you letters, all that, we're we're doing all that. Mm -hmm. And so it's kind of both things like, okay, looking at that, making sure we acknowledge everyone. Okay, what's next? Um, normally at the end of the calendar year, all nonprofits will do some sort of year-end appeal, normally like just a letter. Um, but there's a lot of work that goes into a fundraising letter. And half of it, honest to God, I think most people are like, look at it. Oh, yeah, we like YSB. Great. They're not reading it, yeah. even though I'm agonizing over every sentence. Yeah. It's kind yeah. of funny. So, But it's, it's good. We have a great team. Before we get to the answer to the Internet questions, we wrap up with a question we ask everybody. Um, and it's advice you can count on. And that comes from our sponsor martin supermarkets are you a fan of martin's we love martin's yeah? martin's yeah. is a fantastic partner for for a why not only ysb but prevent child abuse which is another um thing we'll talk about with later Roofset. with yeah. Roofset. so yep. ysb is connected to that as well so we really are the 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 actual staff that implements that because prevent child abuse st joe county actually doesn't have a staff mm -hmm. we're the staff and so yes tremendously um just a tremendous partner. I can't say enough good things. And in addition to Roofsid and, and others, other supports, um, and we love Chef April has done cooking classes for our young moms. Oh, yeah. She'll be great. Yeah. She, she's, um, quite, quite a treasure and their whole, their whole team is just remarkable. So yeah, I can't say enough good things. You can go shop at Martin's and feel good about it as Absolutely. a person shopping at Martin's. For sure. So Martin's count on us. What we ask is advice that people can count on. So um, a young listener or I mean, even someone looking to spend hours elsewhere from their nine to five job, if they want to get involved at the grassroots level, mm -hmm. if they want to help, um, whether it be with youth homelessness or another cause, yeah. what's a couple pieces of advice that you would tell them before they jump into that? You know, honestly, the biggest piece of advice I would say is ask the agency that you want to help what it is that they need. Okay. Because this is a big challenge. A lot of companies and people want to help and they decide before they ask us, like, here's how I can help you. And sometimes it ends up creating more work. Um, and we're happy to have them and we love that people want to volunteer. Or asking for something that, like is very covered is that a thing um like to explain to i guess to put it in my terms it would be um i get 90 resumes for social media positions right. and none for other positions right so if everyone wants to do the same thing to help out you're like well if you could do you know something else that's maybe exactly, people don't want to do right that's okay. exactly right i mean it, and it's not even so much what they do yeah because some of the stuff that we need done like it's not super fun or glamorous, but it would yeah. be a huge help, yep. right? I mean, and, and our it's always been a challenge with volunteers for us because we don't have, you know, cute kids that they can hang out and play basketball with. We have mm. traumatized teenagers, and I was a teenager, and I was a jerk, and I wasn't even traumatized, right? <laughs> so, I mean, <laughs> same. I'm just, it's a wonder my mom talks to me, honest <laughs> to God. Um, so it, it has been a challenge, but... You know, I mean, that is the biggest thing I think I can say is just really try to ask, you know, what what the need really is and 
um, what would be the most most helpful and and try to find a way to do that. Have you ever been stuck on an elevator? I have not. Never? I don't think so. Would you be okay if you were? No. <laughs> You'd freak. So I do you ride kinda, them? I do. I do ride them. So you know, you probably don't know this because you're at the ground level, but for over the edge every year, I take I know the stairs. you do. No, yeah. I remember that from last year, yeah. and I told Anna that. I said, I got stuck in a car wash, though, once. That would be scary. Typically, if there's, like, any way that I can escape, mm-hmm. I'm okay. Right. So, like, even... um you're getting like an MRI or something. You could shim your way out, but like right. an elevator, I, yeah. I think I'd pass out. Yeah. So I no, just yeah, I take the six there. flights. Yeah. For, and it, like Anna, she probably over and over the edge event. She probably goes up and down that thing a million times. Well, she actually had to. She took the stairs. So one of our last uh, edgers is like, oh, let's take the stairs. She's like, okay. So, you know, she was on her feet all day at that event and then walked oh. up all those stairs. <laughs> so I, whoever took me up, I was like, you can go with him on the elevator. I'll take the yeah. stairs. But then I got up there and I didn't realize, you know, with COVID, only a certain amount of people could be in the elevators oh, at a time. Oh, yeah. So I like hustled up there and then I beat him by like five minutes. So <laughs> I'm up there trying to catch my breath. But it, uh, yeah, I, I typically don't ride them at all. Yeah. Um, Ever. No, I I get that i'm not a fan of small spaces my son always wants to so they have you know that submarine or that u-boat that's at the science and industry museum i won't go in there no shot it totally freaks me out so i'm with you could you go to like space in a shuttle no i don't think i could i mean the space flight doesn't freak me out but that small being crammed in there like that i could not deal with i I feel you would you rather have a chef, masseuse, or chauffeur for the rest of your life? Ooh. That's a tough one. It would definitely be between the chef and the masseuse. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, I'm going to go with masseuse because then I might be more relaxed and my husband and I kind of like to cook, so I don't know, that's a tough one. Do you think a guy can use a gift card on a first date? <laughs> we've had answers That's we've had funny we've had absolutely not to yeah it's okay so, i don't care yeah. you know what, you what don't I, care? Yeah. no i don't care what if they're like real brazen about it and just like slap it down right in front of you like, well boom, applebee's 25 bucks see a i wouldn't <laughs> not a fan of applebee's okay. <laughs> so you probably shouldn't say that on that, no, no offense no to you go to martin's you don't gym. go to applebee's right, right exactly <laughs> um you go to your local restaurants yeah your locally owned restaurants um you know, I, I, the gift card thing wouldn't bother me. Maybe the attitude of slapping it down would probably bother me more than anything else. <laughs> like, I'm a cool guy slapping yeah, down the like, gift card. Uh, okay, thanks. I'll see you later. <laughs> <laughs> um, you wake up in the morning. How long does it take you to decide what to wear? Um, Like two minutes. Yeah? Yeah. Are you a planner the night before or no? No. No. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> It's kind of whatever my mood is. If I'm in a like, oh, I have an orange scarf on today. So it's like, I need to be cheerful. So I'm wearing orange. Um, Strangest thing you've ever eaten? Strangest? uh, Alligator. Yeah, it's pretty good though. It was pretty good. I had it. We were in New Orleans. Yeah. Um, So I probably. Did you get any hurricanes? Yeah. I had a few. Bro, I'm not even going to lie to you. the alligator. Those hurricanes. (laughs) Those first couple sips, you're like, I'm having a 7-Eleven Slurpee. This is great. Ooh, yeah. They don't tell you. They throw everything in the kitchen yeah. sink in there. New Orleans is dangerous. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. like, I love frozen drinks. Like, he goes, 
like a slurp you're the movie theater you get the oh, icy and yeah. stuff and it's like oh that's what i'm having and then you get like halfway through it and you're like that is not what i'm having no <laughs> no that's They're probably delicious, why, though yeah that's probably why i had the alligator <laughs> <laughs> you got a few hurricanes deep and you're Indeed. like oh, oh sure whatever that you put delicious. in front of me <laughs> when you order steak how do you order it uh medium have you ever heard of medium plus no. See, some people swear it's a thing, but I'm too scared that if I order it that way. So it would be like a, a mix between medium rare and medium. Okay. Well, if you have Kurt Janowski on, you have to ask him about yeah, that. That's a, or Sean uh, Sean Kelly. I'll have Sean or Kurt on just to ask him that question. Yeah. Then. Yeah. I, I order know. medium plus. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. yeah. I want to know if this is a thing now, yeah. so you're going to have to let me know. I will let you know. Um, the worst types of people on a plane? Ooh. Do do you mind when you get reclined into? Yes. Yeah. Because then that encroaches on my space, yep. right? You're already in a small space. Yep. So not a fan of that. Um, you know, super loud talkers, I guess, on a plane. Shoes off? It's never good. On the plane? Yeah. Oh, well, if they have socks on, I don't care, but I really don't want to see people's toes generally. <laughs> Would you date someone knowing all their exes are dead? <laughs> That's pretty funny. Uh, I guess it would depend. I mean. What if they're like all unexplained deaths? <laughs> uh, that might make me a little wary, I Maybe imagine. depend on how good looking they are. Yeah, it <laughs> might depend on. Now, you know, like if it was George Clooney, I, I could make an exception. Yeah. for Line up, line up the I'm, exes. I'm good. Whatever, yeah. <laughs> You're granted the ability to time travel and visit your past self. Ooh. You're only allowed to say 10 words to yourself. What year do you go to and what do you say? Oh, wow. Um, I would say I would probably go to, let's see, what year? So age 11, I would have been 1981. Okay. I'm very much dating myself. So you're going to the year 11-year-old self. Yeah. What are you telling her? Uh, I would tell her like you are perfectly fine the way you are. Uh, continue to speak up. Do not be shy. And um, I think you're past ten words. There you I go. Think I, yeah, there <laughs> you, you go. You would be much more noble than me. I'm going to like early '90s and saying invest in Apple. I only need three uh -oh, words. See, that's <laughs> so smart. Yeah, I only I three words. Yeah. Yours is much more noble. <laughs> Who would win in a fight between a Navy SEAL with a toddler's brain or a toddler with a Navy SEAL's brain? A Navy SEAL with a toddler's brain. Wow. I don't know. I think I'm going to go with the SEAL brain. I think so, too, in the toddler body. Yeah. Yeah. Because they'd figure out a way to get it done. Would you rather fight one horse-sized duck or ten duck-sized horses? <laughs> Ooh, I think yeah. I'm going with the duck-sized horses because I could probably run. Yeah, or you could just pawn them. Yeah, yeah there's that. Um, <laughs> Those questions are too funny. <laughs> Do you say God bless after every sneeze? Uh, yes. Yeah? Usually. Yeah. Um, So are you a Seinfeld fan? Oh, yes. Do you do the situation? What if you're with a couple and do you wait for the spouse? Do, do they get first dibs on the god bless and then you, you know uh, the god probably bless. no but that that's hilarious no there's so many like i i don't think i go through a day without some sort of seinfeld reference at oh, some same. point yeah because yeah. you have to yeah, yeah it, it applies it, to everything it does it's constant yeah would you rather be stuck in jurassic park or jumanji 
Um, that is a good question. I'm thinking Jumanji. Like the original Jumanji? or Robin the, Williams Jumanji. Oh, I can't be stuck with The Rock? Because that would be okay with me. <laughs> so what if all of The Rock's exes were dead? <laughs> right? <laughs> like, sorry, let it slide. sorry for their luck, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Let's do two more. Okay. Um, when you hear the word successful, who's the first person that comes to mind and why? Wow. Um... I don't know who the first successful. I know just came Barack Obama. Okay, I'm, yeah, I'm president of the United States. Pretty good answer. Pretty good. Yeah. Pretty good. <laughs> um, last one. What's the longest car ride you've ever taken? The longest car ride? Yeah. Oh gosh. Um, honest to God, between uh, South Bend and Terre Haute when I was in college, like that. Just constant, like back and forth. It's the, it's the longest drive. What about the just single longest? Or do you fly everywhere? No, I you know, and I haven't flown in a while. Um, Have you ever done like a day long? Oh, yeah. Trip? We drove. So we drove from Charleston, South Carolina mm-hmm. back to South Bend. And that was yeah, super all, long. Yeah. It's like 18 hours. It was pretty brutal. Yeah. All right, so let's wrap up. Plug away whatever you want to plug. Our plug is Martin Supermarkets. You plug anything you can for YSB. Tell the people how they can help, Wow. where they can help. Okay, uh, so anything you want to know about YSB, you can go to ysbsjc.org. Definitely follow us on social media. We are on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn for sure. And... Really, I think what I want people to to do is really look at what we're doing and look at um, how the issue of youth homelessness impacts our entire community. It is not just one single population that this impacts. If we do not intervene and help these kids, these are young people who are going to be in our community. They live here. They're not going anywhere. So it is in our best interest to really intervene with them and do what we can to... And these are good kids. I mean, they've had a really crappy start to life a lot of them through no fault of their own and need someone who actually cares and that can say you know what you are actually worth us caring about so really just paying attention and and for those um folks who are parents who are listening especially parents of teenagers you know pay attention to your kids friends because a lot of times there's stuff going on that you don't know is happening um and even teenagers, I and I just learned this, a friend of mine, when I was in high school, um, went through a really, like, a much more difficult time than I even realized at the time. And, for you know, we still keep in contact, and he, you know, said to me, you were kind when other people were not, and I will never forget that. And so you don't know um, what people are going through. So just um, be kind and try to... Find a way to open your heart and and really do what you can to to help them. Awesome. We'll put everything in the show notes. Christina, thanks for coming by today. Thanks really for having me. It. This is fun. I could do this every day. <laughs> and as always, <laughs> let us know how we can help, and uh, we'll push the good word out there and see what we can do. And now we appreciate you did a great job with Over the Edge, and we are so thankful you've it been was, a great it was advocate, a lot of fun. and it, we appreciate it. Just it's that first step off. Yeah. After that, it's it's pretty easy. But when you're the heels are off the edge mm-hmm. and they're like just lean back 
everything in your body says yeah. don't lean back right that's the toughest yeah part. no it was yeah. amazing we're just grateful everyone you were, you've been a big help so we really Thank appreciate you. it well th- thanks again for your time hopefully you had fun I did have fun and we'll talk to you next time alright thanks but they all play and they roll put that on anything that I got and all I care about is my city man I can't say it enough I done heard things about y'all that they can't say about us I just hold it down for my side I just hold it down for my set This has been a production of the Alpha Dog Podcast Network. Find more shows at alphadogagency.com slash podcast.